You are listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Stay tuned for the Heartland Labor Forum, radio that talks back to the boss. Forum, a weekly show of news, information, and commentary by and for the working people of Kansas City. This show is produced by a team of volunteers from a broad range of workplaces and unions. The views expressed on the Heartland Labor Forum are ours and not necessarily those of KKFI or any unions involved. And welcome again to the Heartland Labor Forum. Tonight's show is underwritten by United Auto Workers Local 249 and IBEW Local 124. United Auto Workers Local 249 members building the best Ford trucks and vans in the world. And the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers supports the the Heartland Labor Forum. We've been wiring Kansas City since 1905, and if you're not finding your electrical contractor at IBEW124.org, then you're not getting the best value for your money. The Heartland Labor Forum and KKFI thank our underwriters for their support. On tonight's show, it's our New Year's show. And last January, at right around New Year's, the Heartland Labor Forum volunteers and labor programmers from as far away as England took in, looked in their crystal balls to predict what would happen to workers in 2023. Tonight on the show, we've invited them back, some of them are coming back, to tell us how prescient they were. In other words, did they predict the future? Or did it they bomb out? And then we'll have our predictions for 2024. So that's what we're doing with the show. And we're going to get started with a song. I got so down in trouble. Turn around. 
That's Iris DeMent with her 2023 song and album by the same title, Working on the World. We here at Heartland Labor Forum are all working on the world, and I expect we'll keep doing it in 2024, while the world works on us too. On tonight's show, we're looking back and forward, back to our predictions for 2023 that we did on our January 5th show at the the beginning of this year, and forward to 2024. In the studio and on Zoom, we have a team to evaluate some of our predictions. We've got Mark Galis, Jungjin Lee, Stephen Hill, Michael Savoir, Morty, and Judy Morgans on Zoom. They all have a score sheet. I want you to all get a score sheet because you're going to have to score our predictions. Go find some paper. <laughs> we'll hear predictions from Tom Gepkin, Stephen Hill, uh, one non-volunteer, Harold Phillips, who's a podcaster and SAG-AFTRA member in the state of Washington, Judy Morgan, Michael Savoir, and Mark Galis. So put your names on a list, and each time they've got something right, give them two points. If they get it wrong, give them a negative two points. Here we go. I'm Tom Gebkin, president of the Communication Workers of America Local 6360 here in Kansas City, and a volunteer on this show. When I look into the crystal ball for 2023, I see a labor movement continuing to gain momentum. A labor-friendly NLRB will continue to put workers ahead of corporate interests. This will make it a little easier for those who are currently in a non-union workplace and want to become union to organize those jobs. Corporations will continue to make record profits, and workers at these newly organized jobs will get a bigger slice of the pie. My crystal ball says wages are going to continue to increase for working people. Inflation will begin to settle down. Unemployment will stay in a good place. My hope is the Teamsters bargain a successful contract with UPS. More Amazon and Starbucks locations vote to become union. Teachers and other public sector workers can push back on anti-union bills coming out of the state legislatures. And my final hope is charter school teachers will choose to be represented by unions. Overall, 2023 looks bright for the labor movement. I'm Stephen Hill. I'm a volunteer with the Heartland Labor Forum. I live in Blue Springs, and my prediction for labor in 2023 is we're going to be more disappointed with government response to labor demands. And as a result of this disappointment, we're going to hear more about strikes. We're going to hear about illegal strikes, and maybe even general strikes. That's uh, hope for the future there. As Big Bill Haywood would say, all we got to do is put our hands in our pockets and we've got them licked. It's Harold Phillips. I'm a SAG-AFTRA member living in Washington State, not the other Washington And I'm the co-host of the Working to Live in Southwest Washington podcast, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. So, if we're looking forward to what we can expect in 2023, I think the answer is pretty simple. 
a lot more action. If what we've seen this year and the year before is any example, we know that working people are fed up and they're willing to stand together in order to make big changes in their workplaces and in their communities. I think one of the things that's going to be a little bit different in 2023 is just how much the National Labor Relations Board is going to stand with those working people. Not that the NLRB hasn't been standing with working people over the past couple of years. They sure have. But as you know, they recently got fully funded, at last, in the latest spending bill. And that's going to allow them to adjudicate more cases to have more people to deal with unfair labor practice charges, more staff to oversee union elections, and ideally it won't take seven months for someone who's been fired for union organizing to get a judgment in their favor and get their jobs back. Look, we've all been watching this unprecedented level of organizing and activity over the past few years. And I don't see any signs of that slowing down. But just like I think we're going to see more backup on the NLRB's part, I think we're going to see even more doubling down on management's part in fighting these new organizing drives and in taking a hard line against unions who are just trying to do right by their members in contract negotiations. There are a lot of big contracts coming up for renewal this year. Contracts at automakers, contracts at airlines, UPS. We're going to see a lot of rank-and-file activism to try and get better contracts that reflect the needs of the people who work at these businesses, but I think a lot of businesses have been emboldened by seeing Starbucks and Amazon, frankly, break labor law and not face any repercussions beyond a slap on the wrist, beyond having to say they're sorry, beyond having to post a sign in the break room acknowledging that they broke the law. So I won't be surprised if we see a lot more of that too. And it really comes down to how much people are willing to fight and how much their community is willing to stand with them in that fight. That's really what's made the difference over the past few years with some of these actions that we've seen. Yes, union members and people who are organizing into unions have hit the picket lines. Yes, they've stood shoulder to shoulder. But the big difference is that people in their community have come out and stood with them and brought them pizza and contributed to GoFundMes and not crossed picket lines to say you're not out here alone. If we can keep that level of community involvement, I think the future for labor is actually pretty strong. And, Judy, since you asked about whether actors are going to be replaced in 2023, I think the answer is not yet. But in my business, just like every other business, the bosses are looking to save money on labor wherever they can. And AI is making leaps and bounds, is making great strides. So, the future for people in my profession is probably pretty secure in the short term. In the long term, I think it's anybody's guess. Thank God I can still have a podcast. I'm Judy Morgan, President Emeritus of the American Federation of Teachers, Local 691 in Kansas City, Missouri. 
And I'm a volunteer on the Heartland Labor Forum, KKFI 90.1 FM. I've come up with four predictions for labor in the upcoming year. Number one, recently I've read several articles about AI, artificial intelligence, as defined by Britannica as the ability of a digital computer or computer-controlled robot to perform tasks commonly associated with intelligent beings. I was amazed at the type of tasks that can be accomplished by AI, like scheduling appointments, completing tasks over the phone, writing news articles or term papers, and enabling self-driving cars and other vehicles. A few days later, I read another article by Hamilton Nolan from In These Times. Mr. Nolan warned that unions and the workers they represent could be greatly impacted by AI and that they should get ahead of the problem now to protect workers. It's certainly not a stretch to predict that AI will affect labor in 2023 and subsequent years. Number two, in another article I read from Restaurant Business, Senior editor Patricia Kobe predicted that employees, not customers, will come first at restaurants as they promote work-life balance and wellness to attract and retain workers in the still tight labor market. Ms. Kobe also speculated that abuse from customers toward restaurant workers will no longer be tolerated. That's a prediction I hope will come true in 2023. I've dined out a lot in my life and have always hated to see servers treated with a lack of respect and appreciation from their employers and their customers. Number three, earlier this year, the General Counsel for the National Labor Relations Board, the NLRB, issued a memorandum announcing that she will ask the board to find mandatory meetings also called captive audience meetings, as a violation of the National Labor Relations Act. During these mandatory meetings, employers require employees to listen to speeches urging the employees to vote against union representation. I predict that the NLRB will rule with its general counsel and outlaw these types of meetings, a real win for unions in their efforts to organize workplaces. Number four, with an economy that is providing more jobs than employees, workers have gained a sense of empowerment and more willingness and motivation to join a union. They want what those of us in unions have always fought for, higher wages, better working conditions, good health care, and a voice on the job. I believe that this trend will continue in 2023, and I'll end on that positive prediction. Hi. I'm Michael Savoie, retired Teamster and a programmer on the Heartland Labor Forum, Community Radio 90.1 FM, KKFI in Kansas City, Missouri. My crystal ball has two predictions for the new year, 2023. I will start with the good and follow with the not-so-good. I see the unmistakable rise in a consciousness of good citizenship across all segments of our population, young and old, advantaged and disadvantaged, employee and employer are becoming increasingly aware of the absolute necessity of their personal role as active citizens. They will no longer be content as passive participants in the American political theater. They will no longer hold the thought that my involvement doesn't matter. 
they will no longer look to others to fulfill their civic responsibility. In doing so, they will empower our democracy. They will immunize themselves from the deception and fake news that has been so much a part of the prevailing winds of America. My second prediction falls in the not-so-good category. I expect to see small-package multinational giant UPS sidestep the new and militant leadership of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters to negotiate meaningful contract reforms. Twenty years of concessionary agreements with UPS have left 300,000 Teamster employees in a very vengeful mode. Look for UPS to play hardball in contract negotiations, assuring a long and protracted strike. Look for them to advance the narrative of strike as a threat to the economic stability of the nation, a harbinger of recession, if not depression, and a very real and present danger to our supply chain continuity and our friends on Wall Street. Look for them to attempt to play the same card as the national rail companies played to deny railroad workers a free and meaningful negotiation with their employers. Look for our Republican majority in the House of Representatives to support them. Here's hoping I am all wrong. This is Mark Galis. I'm a labor lawyer and a volunteer on the Heartland Labor Forum in Kansas City. I have two labor predictions for 2023. First, I think that the National Labor Relations Board will revive the Joy Silk Doctrine. Back in July, we interviewed Ian Ward of Politico, who wrote a very interesting article about Joy Silk. Essentially, it's an NLRB case from 1949, which said that if the union has majority support through signed authorization cards, the employer was required to recognize the union unless there was a good faith doubt about majority support. Therefore, you would forego an election and just recognize the union. About 20 years later, the Supreme Court decided a case called Gissel Packing. At the oral argument in that case, the NLRB counsel misrepresented the board's position, saying that the good faith doubt standard was no longer the correct standard, which came as a bit of a surprise to the NLRB, opposing counsel, and even the justices themselves. The Supreme Court adopted this revised standard and said that bargaining orders would only issue if there were outrageous unfair labor practices by the employer uh, during an election. Uh, Back in March, we interviewed Jennifer Abruzzo, who is the general counsel of the NLRB, and she indicated that a return to the Joy Silk standard was a top priority. In October, Uh, One of the board's uh, administrative law judges decided a case involving Starbucks. Starbucks was alleged to have engaged in a number of unfair labor practices at stores in the Kansas City area, basically disciplining, firing workers for union activity. Instead of ordering a new election, the ALJ ordered Starbucks to recognize the union. And in a footnote, the ALJ wrote, that Starbucks could not have had a good-faith doubt about the union's majority status based on the authorization cards that had been submitted. And so there's some thought that this now paves the way for the full board to take up the case and to reinstate the Joy Silk standard, which will make it much easier for unions uh, to be recognized. Prediction number two. Hamilton Nolan, who is a labor reporter for In These Times and was a guest on the show back in July, wrote a piece on his 2023 labor predictions. I want to piggyback on one of those. He called it the big first contract wall. 
He points out how there are a number of organizing victories at Starbucks and Amazon and Trader Joe's, which are all great, but the reality is that the time between recognition of the union as the exclusive bargaining representative and the negotiation and signing of the first contract can be an eternity. Here are some stats. From the Seattle Times, 20 years ago, 50% of new unions signed their first contract within a year. Today, according to Bloomberg, only 35%. Again, according to Bloomberg, the average length of time to get a first collective bargaining agreement these days is 13 months. Well, why is that? Unfortunately, the National Labor Relations Act has no requirements for getting to the first contract, other than a requirement that the parties bargain in good faith. And there really are no penalties for delay. So companies, especially rabidly anti-union ones like Starbucks and Amazon, will delay the process in the hopes of creating disaffected union members, members who have a union but don't get the benefits until much later. It's also more more costly for unions, uh, having to pay for lawyers to handle legal challenges and things like that. One of the things that would help would be the PRO Act, the Protecting the Right to Organize Act that's currently pending in Congress. The PRO Act creates a timetable for the first contract where the parties have to start bargaining within 10 days after the union request, and you can appeal it to federal court. There's mediation if no agreement is reached within 90 days, and if there's still no agreement, there's an arbitration process to try to secure a two-year contract. The problem is the PRO Act is likely dead. It passed the House, but it lacks 60 votes in the Senate to get past filibuster. So in light of that, unions are going to have to be patient and keep members in the fold in the face of all these delays. Those are my labor predictions for 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. One step ahead of the landlord and I'm running out of time. The works dried up, the storm has hit. There's no peace of mind, so I'm running. Okay, well, that was just a little bit of a song called Landlord by Already Dead. (laughs) We're not. We're alive here in the studio, and now it's time to score the points. Uh, Who wins? Uh, We got Morty here. We got Steven here, Jung Jin, Mark, Michael, and me. I'm Judy. Uh, Anybody? Who, Who won on your sheet? Grab a mic. I think uh, Harold Phillips probably won. He seemed to have the most points, uh, uh, most correct predictions. He also had the longest one, except for you, I think. <laughs> I think that's true. Well, you said five minutes last year, so I took up full advantage of that. Yeah, well, so did he. And he got, in my in my score, he got two, four, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I would only take one quibble with what he said. One was about the NLRB being fully funded. I don't think it was... Fully funded. I think they they did get an increase for from 2014 through 2022. They were funded at the exact same level, about 275 million dollars. They got 300 million dollars for 2023, which is better, but it's still anywhere from 25 to 50 million below what they need to really be effective. And uh, according to the current Congress, uh, they want to cut it by a a bunch. The House wants to cut it by a third. Yeah, right. Well, Michael. You wanted to be wrong on your predictions. I think you were. 
I was, and, and thankful that I am. Uh, this was an exceptional contract agreement. Uh, we saw in our Teamster leadership good planning and good execution, and I just uh, quite happy that I was wrong. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, what about that good citizenship thing? Were you wrong on well, that? Well, yeah, I would give um, uh, some credence to the fact that most of us are perhaps not the good citizens we would should be, perhaps, or would like to be. But the young people, there is an increasing awareness among the group under 30, particularly, of their need to be fully involved in in the, the political aspects of our day-to-day -day living. So you're seeing a greater consciousness. Okay. I'm going to call on Judy Morgan, but i got to plug her in because she's on Zoom. Where is the plug here? There we go. Yeah, I'm wondering if you got the same question as I do, Judy. Um, go ahead. No, I was just curious, Judy Morgan, uh, you know, you were talking about the restaurant workers being uh, treated more fairly this year. Uh, how do you feel that happened this year? <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't hear her well, but the restaurant workers? That's it. The yeah. restaurant workers, uh, yeah, I was wrong on that one. I don't think they're treated any more fairly than they were. I think m maybe that'll only happen when they have a union. Um, I was, I think the person who, I, I read somebody who predicted that, and he thought that with the job market being what it was, it would put pressure on the restaurant owners to be, you know, more fair. But no, I, I think that one is definitely wrong. I think I batted about 50-50 on mine, half right and half wrong. That's right. I gave you a zero. <laughs> Yeah, I gave you a two for the AI, a negative two for the restaurant, a negative two for the NLRB, and a two for the more voice. So I will say, I will say though, the NLRB, although it didn't happen this year, uh, and that was the one about outlawing mandatory meetings, they have won two federal court cases where it's gone to court. The NLRB has just not taken action yet, so maybe that'll happen in 2024. I'm hopeful. Okay. Well, Mark, do you think that the NLRB is going to uh, outlaw captive audience meetings this year? Well, I'll actually save that for the second half of the program. We can talk about it there. All right. <laughs> we'll do that. Okay, Stephen. Yes. Uh, Stephen. <laughs> hey, look, disappointment in, in the government, I win. I'm sorry. You, you, got, you, you got two points. You want to elaborate on that? What, elaborate on disappointment? Yeah. Oh well, um, I, I don't know. It was it was probably better than uh, I was actually hoping for. Um, because we we did make labor gains. You know, the, the Biden administration came through on a lot of labor, um, and locally we have a lot of momentum going on. Uh, we we have stuff at the ground floor that's happening, and that's pretty exciting. I think labor consciousness is increasing and that's a good thing so so how were you disappointed uh, disappointed just in in uh, the legal structure of everything not actually changing that much to, ah. to help out and I, I feel we're still kind of in a status quo situation are um, you one of these people who thinks joe biden is the most pro-labor president in the in history? That, that's ter No, but. <laughs> I, I see Morty getting agitated yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm going to turn it over to him. Uh. You, you keep up that way. Yeah. Morty, what do you think? <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I just, me and Mark were talking about this earlier about, uh, you know, how we kind of got sold down the river being a railroader on our contract uh, negotiations with uh, Biden. And 
why he didn't step in and wasn't uh, more active in our negotiations. So, um, when you asked but that, that wasn't in 2022. No, it that wasn't. Was it wasn't. It was 2022. But that's <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still aggravated. Okay, so <laughs> in 2023, he was the most pro pro labor. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you have it. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyone else want to comment on what 2023 did for labor or didn't? Well, I would just very quickly say that I was mostly right about Joy Silk, kind of my pet project here on the Heartland Labor Forum. Uh, the, the board decided a case called Semex Construction, where they said that uh, it would be an unfair labor practice for the employer to refuse voluntary recognition of a union unless the employer immediately files a petition for an election and to test the majority status. That was one part of it. And the other is that if there's an unfair labor practice that would set aside the election, the petition would get dismissed and the board would issue a bargaining order. So this is a, a you know, closer to Joy Silk than we've had in, in 50 years or so. So that's, okay. that's good, for, good for unions. Great. Okay, we're gonna end this section of the show uh, with a, another prediction from 2023. But this is more like an inspiration than a prediction. It's from Saul Schneiderman, who does uh, a weekly labor uh, culture email that I really recommend everybody to uh, subscribe to. This is his prediction from last January. I've been asked by the Heartland Labor Forum to look into my crystal ball and make a prediction for 2023. Well, I'm thinking about Howard Zinn, the esteemed historian who wrote A People's History of the United States. Howard said that if you look back at the last century, the 20th century, at some of the revolutionary changes that occurred in the world, if you think about these changes, you would say, oh, this would never happen, or this could never happen. A small group of socialist intellectuals would take over czarist Russia, a mustached man whose career started in a beer hall in Munich would declare war on the world and almost conquer Europe. The building of the CIO in the midst of the Great Depression. The Chinese Revolution. A black woman would sit down on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama and spark a movement to bring down segregation. The life story of Nelson Mandela. Are you kidding me? Did our grandparents or our parents really live through these events? Did we really experience them? Did anyone predict that they would happen? These remarkable, unpredictable changes Howard Zinn teaches us gives us cause for optimism. And he called this belief the optimism of uncertainty. The changes we believed could never happen really did happen. So... A prediction about unions and the working class for 2023? I hope it will be in the words of Howard Zinn, quote, an endless succession of surprises moving zigzag toward a more decent society, unquote. So everybody, strap on your ergonomic seatbelt. Remember that the uncertainty of history leads us to optimism and get ready to sing Solidarity Forever. Tune in 
to Economics for the People every fourth Thursday at 7 p.m. It's a show about people and communities, economics, life and livelihoods, about diverse voices and economic experiences. Join us on a collective journey to shape and reimagine an economy that prioritizes people over profit. Economics for the People every fourth Thursday at 7 p.m. Hi, this is Valerie Andrus from Full Killer Folk with KKFI. I want to thank you for listening and ask you to take the time to make your first donation at kkfi.org. I believe that KKFI has actually made me a better person. Over the years, KKFI has opened my eyes to a diversity of people, news, and music that I haven't found anywhere else. And that was a great gift. During our year-end online fund drive, please make the time right now to go to kkfi.org and give the gift of information and continuing education to everyone who listens to KKFI. And we're back. I'm Judy Ansel. You're listening to the Heartland Labor Forum, and it's our crystal ball show. And in this part of the show, we're going to predict the future. And uh, actually, I'm going to hand it over first to Morty, who made a very uh, interesting comment about all the predictions from 2023. Take it away. No, I, I was just I was kind of shocked that uh, you know you guys are all labor legends, and none of you guys uh, predicted the UAW uh, strike that happened. Um, that was a big deal. That was a huge victory. That's uh, something we have never seen in the UAW. Um, but it'd be kind of hard to predict, though, too, because Sean Fain was the newly elected president of the UAW, too, last year. So it, a lot happened in that short amount of time. But uh, I just want to throw it out there. I just thought that was, that was a good one. That's right. We all got that one wrong. Yeah. All right. So um, our first prediction for next year, for this year or next this coming year is from Chris Garlock from the Labor Radio Podcast Network. And it's about something near and dear to our hearts, hearts, which is Labor Radio. Take it away. Hey, this is Chris Garlock. In addition to coordinating the Labor Radio Podcast Network, I host and produce a number of labor radio shows and podcasts, including the Labor Radio Podcast Daily and Weekly Editions, the Labor Heritage Power Hour, and Labor History Today. Last year, I predicted that the Labor Radio Podcast Network would continue to grow, and we did. We're now at 215 shows, which is great, but a bit short of my prediction, we'd hit 250. I also predicted much more coordination and sharing among network members, and indeed this was a banner year as network members shared guests, rank-and-file union members and workers, and leaders from across the country and around the world. The prediction I'm most excited about was that our labor radio shows and podcasts would increase cross-promotion among network members, picking up interviews and shows from each other, and indeed, we've seen a big surge in that area. I know it's been a huge benefit to my own shows to be able to draw on great interviews and fascinating labor content from so many different shows. Here's just a quick sample from the latest Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. We do the best we can and we will do the best we can to get all the mail aligning to the families around the world. If you mess with a letter carrier, you're going to go to jail. That's a federal employee. We've got to make that a reality. We've definitely never seen uh, Palestine Solidarity action this large in the state of Wisconsin ever. I think there was thousands of people 
out in the streets of Madison. I grew up in a household where my father was a young man during the time that Gamal Abdel Nasser was the president of Egypt. And there was this idea in our household that we have to build pan-Arabism. You know, law enforcement does tend to lean more conservative. Uh, however, you know, as times will and do change, the workers change, attitudes change. Now for 2024, I see at least 250 members of the Labor Radio Podcast Network in the year ahead, maybe even 300. I see our first ever in-person conference in April at Labor Notes, and this may be a stretch, but I think 2024 is the year when we'll finally get the Labor Radio Podcast Network app, which will enable anyone, anywhere to easily access all of our shows. In the meantime, you can go to laborradionetwork.org. You can also subscribe to the Labor Radio Podcast daily or weekly on your favorite podcast platform. This has been Chris Garlock for the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Next is Gene Lance from Dallas. He sent us this prediction on the 2024 presidential election. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. NBC News has already said that 70% of the voters under 35 disapprove of the way Joe Biden handles the Middle East war. In other words, all these marchers around in the United States are marching in favor of Palestine, not in favor of Israel, and in favor of ceasing the war, not in favor of keeping it going, whereas the United States is the only country keeping the United Nations from taking a strong stand against what Israel's doing in Palestine. So this is going to put a lot of pressure on the United States internationally, and it's going to put a lot of pressure on Mr. Joe Biden as he tries to run for president in 2024. And some youth are already saying that they're not going to vote. The reason is subjective. They don't want to vote for Trump, and they don't want to vote for Biden, and they don't want to throw their vote away. So that leaves them with what? Not voting. It's probably a terrible idea to not vote, but nevertheless you can see why some people would uh, feel that that was their choice. But here's what I think will happen on that. Because the voting situation and the voting outlook is so bad, as you go into November, I think Joe Biden won't run. I predicted that last year too, and I'm sticking to it this year. Of course, anything could happen. Something might happen that would make Joe Biden suddenly popular, like for example, if he went over to the Middle East and just told them no more money to kill Palestinians. That would go a long way toward restoring his chances in November. He could also do the same thing in Eastern Europe. So that could happen. But something that's more likely to happen is that he's gonna make some kind of a, an ordinary slip. 
Maybe he'll just forget the name of something or somebody, some ambassador or something that comes up to talk to him in the middle of a television production and he forgets their name. Or maybe he'll just trip and fall somewhere while the TV is on him. He's already done it once before, I think. So something like that could happen. I think even if something doesn't happen, that the Democrats are going to say, we have to have another champion to run in November. I think the one that they'll pick is the current Vice President, Kamala Harris. And I'll predict that, that Mr. Biden will step aside in her favor. And after that, we're going to play a song to cheer you up. <laughs> Tell you not one could compare to that gal who roamed Montana, a six shooter on a hill, flask in her apron, a cigar between her lips, stagecoach married. Stagecoach in a lawless land. She stood six foot tall when she got in a brawl. Odds are Mary was favored to win. She and her mule Moses, they never missed a day. Once she had your lips. She was off and on her way Stagecoach Mary She would not be tame Stagecoach Mary They all feared her name She blazed many a trail And that is Stagecoach Mary by R.J. Phillips, a brand new song. All the songs we're playing are new this year, so um, we don't know what we'll have for next year. So now we're going to get into some of our volunteers' predictions. And first, we're going to play two recorded predictions, and then we're going to come to the crowd who's here in the studio. First is Tom Gebkin. Hello, I'm Tom Gebkin. I'm president of CWA Local 6360 here in Kansas City, and also a volunteer on the Heartland Labor Forum. Looking back on my 2023 predictions, I'm definitely not a fortune teller, but my crystal ball was pretty accurate. Inflation has come down. The NLRB has been friendly to workers. Wages have gone up. 
unemployment is in a good place and the UPS contract was a good one and hopefully has set a new standard for American workers. My predictions for 2024, I see continued growth in the labor movement. It seems to me that younger workers see the value of being in a union. They see this as their ticket to a larger piece of the pie and they're not afraid to tell management what they need from them to stay working there. They are prepared to leave any job to get the respect they demand. New sectors will become organized. This will bring new people into the labor movement. I think public sector employees will flex their collective muscle and finally get the increases they deserve. Finally, in Missouri, we will see bud tenders that work at the dispensaries organized across the state. This has already begun in Kansas City and St. Louis. And I hope everyone has a wonderful 2024. I'm Stephen Hill, a volunteer for Heartland Labor Forum. And in 2024, I think we're going to uh, continue to see organized labor, uh, the momentum behind it increasing as more and more people realize that it's the quickest way to get your voice heard if you come together, talk back to the boss, as it were. I think... We're going to continue to see the UAW increase in their momentum. They're going to continue their trend. I think we're going to see more and more local labor groups organizing into new unions. And what I'd really like to see is the start of organizing for topics that aren't necessarily labor, and by that I mean housing, with the continuing rise of absentee landlords and companies in faraway cities owning housing, I think the only way that regular folk are going to be able to get their voice heard and their needs met is through organizing into a tenants union. We've seen a little bit of that here in Kansas City with KC Tenants, and I hope that continues to gain momentum in 2024. It's going to be an exciting year in the United States since it's an election year, so we'll have to stay tuned, and I I hope we can keep the momentum we have right now ever increasing. And Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, too. And uh, here in the studio, we've got Mark. What do you have to say about 2024? I have uh, two predictions for 2024. Uh, One is uh, piggybacking on something Judy Morgan said earlier for 2023 that didn't happen. I do think that the National Labor Relations Board will outlaw captive audience meetings this year. As uh, Judy pointed out, it is a priority of uh, Jennifer Abruzzo, general counsel of the board and friend of the show. She's been on here before. The board has so far declined to do it. It came up in a couple cases, but they decided to pass. There are two or three cases in the pipeline that um, could be good vehicles for it. However, I think it's probably going to be a Pyrrhic victory because of my prediction number two, which is I think that something called Chevron deference is going to go away. Uh, In 1984, the Supreme Court decided a case called Chevron, which said that courts should defer to a federal agency's interpretation of a statute if it's reasonable. The idea being an agency is the expert 
when it comes to uh, the subject matter. The Supreme Court is hearing a case next month uh, dealing with this issue uh, specifically to decide whether or not to overrule it. So why is it, why is it important? The concern for labor is that conservative courts will take a less expansive view and create more restrictive labor policy, even during Democratic administrations. In the past, courts have deferred to the interpretation by the board uh, in Democratic administrations, and Republican too, but that's going to be the problem, is that you'll see uh, fewer expansive views through the federal courts when board decisions are appealed, which would be a big problem for labor. All right. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Judy, what do you have to say? Judy Morgan. Morty brought up the UAW, and I've been very impressed with Sean Fain so far, the president of the UAW, and he recently proclaimed when we return to the bargaining table in 2028, it won't just be with the big three, but with the big five or big six. He announced a plan to organize 150 new workers in every non 150,000 new workers in every non-union auto plant in the country. In the past, the UAW has just met very limited success in organizing foreign-owned uh, auto companies. But as we know, support for unions in this country has really increased. Uh, a recent Gallup poll said 67% of Americans approve of unions, three in four supported the UAW strike, and a record high 61% say unions help rather than hurt the, the U.S. economy. So I predict that UAW will start that organizing effort of non-union auto plants in the next year. Union recognition may take more than one year, but I believe that the time is right for the UAW to be successful, especially under the leadership of Sean Fain. My second prediction, again, has to deal with the NLRB. Hopefully, I'll be better on this one this year than I was in 2023. Again, um, Jennifer Abruzzo, who is their general counsel, has been pushing against anti-worker labor regulations to make them more friendly. With the country facing a presidential election this year, this could be her last one in office. And I read an article in the Labor and Employment Law Alert, and it reported that Ms. Abruzzo wants to broaden wine garden rights. Those are the rights that allow workers who work in uh, companies represented by a union to have union representation if they're facing any kind of uh, investigation into discipline. And it's been reported that Ms. Wine uh, Ms. Abruzzo has indicated that she believes that wine garden rights should cover non-union workers as well as union workers. So I predict that she will continue to push to rewrite bad laws and quite possibly could broaden those wine garden rights to include both union and non-union workers. Okay, great. Thanks. And, and I just point out that um, they used to cover uh, the wine garden rights used to also be enjoyed by non-union workers. And I think it was Trump when he came into office that rescinded that. So this would be just restoring something that existed, I think, because of the Obama administration before it. And now we're going to hear from Jung Jin Lee. Jung Jin's an economist. So what's going to happen with the economy? I think there will be increasing uncertainty for the economy next year. Well, that's um, a safe. <laughs> <laughs> on the one hand, I think unemployment probably will remain quite low, but the measure itself will increasingly useless. We all know that um, more and more people are taking more than one job, and uh, the job has become, the quality of job is getting lower and lower. So unemployment 
the low unemployment rate probably does not matter at all for us to evaluate the economy. Um, but on the other hand, I think there will be more uh, momentum to support labor unions, and that momentum hopefully will reverse the declining trend in unionization uh, rate and uh, increase the organizing efforts um, globally. Okay, great. Well, I hope at least the latter comes true. Um, hey, yeah, I got God. a quickie. Um, I expect to see Teamster um, contracts in national companies that don't have master agreements. I've uh, been working on it for years and years. A couple are hot on the fire right now, and I wouldn't be surprised to see national master agreements in PepsiCo and uh, PepsiCo and Cisco. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, Morty. Uh, yeah, my prediction for next year, being a railroader, um, the derailment in East Palestine was a huge deal for everybody, and it opened up the eyes of a lot of people in this country how unsafe the railroads are. Uh, they're trying to pass safety regulation, and my prediction is it will not pass. Um, I've seen this multiple times with the railroad. They got deep pockets, and people with deep pockets in this country always seem to win. And if it does pass, I feel like it's going to be the fine will be so minimal that it's not going to be effective anyways. And then uh, my other prediction would be, um, just like the sister over here said, the economist, I predict right now the union density is about 10%. I'm predicting that it's going to get up to 15% this year is uh, my hope. Um, we'll see. If I'm wrong, I'll let uh, Judy throw a pie on my face next year. So that is my prediction. Are you going to pick year. the kind of pie? Whatever. And if I'm right, I get to throw a pie in your face. No, you don't. Well, thank you. And with that very optimistic prediction. We have one more, and this is from Saul Schneiderman again. This is his prediction for this coming year. Hi, this is Saul Schneiderman, the editor of Friday's Labor Folklore. I'm a big fan of the Heartland Labor Forum, so when I was asked about my prediction for 2024, I wanted to help, but I became perplexed. Who can predict what's in store for our class or for our labor movement in such an unpredictable world? Big victories for the auto workers and the Teamsters this past year? President Biden walking the picket line? Trump gearing up for another one run for the White House? Are you kidding me? I think the best I can do is to intellectualize and provide two quotes by the political philosopher Antonio Gramsci. Gramsci was an Italian anti-fascist who was jailed by Mussolini and who died in prison in 1937. He believed that ruling elites didn't have to resort to violence or coercion to achieve their goals because they control the cultural institutions in our society. Corporations rule and workers obey, I think Gramsci would say, because the institutions of the dominant culture, the media, religion, the arts, etc., praise capitalism and greed and ignore or deny the social virtues of cooperation and solidarity. So here are two famous Gramsci quotes to think about in 2024. The old is dying, he said, and the new cannot yet be born. In this interregnum or interval, a great variety of morbid symptoms appear. You think one of those morbid symptoms might be workers voting Republican? An AFL-CIO official once said to me that a worker voting Republican is like a chicken voting for Colonel Sanders. But could this happen in 2024? And the second 
Antonio Gramsci quote is this, my mind is pessimistic, but my will is optimistic. This has been called the pessimism of the intellect, the optimism of the will. Whatever happens in 2024, my friends, we're surely going to need strong-willed leaders like Sean Fain and a determined rank-and-file membership in our unions. Hey, so let's get to work. And Happy New Year, everyone. Okay, that was Saul Schneiderman. Thank you so much, Saul. And very briefly, Stand Up KC and the Missouri Worker Center ask people to show up tomorrow morning at the Jackson County Legislature, uh, which is at um, 12th Street and McGee, the, they're meeting to, and uh, they want people to make sure that the legislature does not put voting for stadium on the ballot without meaningful benef- community benefits agreements. That's 10 a.m., Jackson County's uh, Courthouse. And that's it for tonight's show. Tune in next week. We're going to have highlights from 2023's Heartland Labor Forum shows. No more predictions, just good shows. Thanks to tonight's engineer, Stephen Hill. The Heartland Labor Forum is a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network of over 200 radio shows and podcasts from around the U.S. and the world. Find them at laborradiopodcastnetwork.org. And stay tuned for Economics for the People with Sarisha and Taki. listening to the Heartland Labor Forum, a show by and about workers, our workplaces, and our labor movement. We are radio that talks back to the boss, and you can talk back to us too. Send us your feedback, your workplace stories, news, and ideas for shows to Heartland Labor Forum, KKFI at gmail.com. Our website, where we archive shows and post our upcoming ones, is heartlandlaborforum.org. The views expressed on this show are ours and not necessarily those of KKFI or any of the unions involved. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 or to our rebroadcast Friday mornings at 5 right here, 90.1 FM. We still got our because we are the working class and that's the place to be. Struggle and fight for the common.